Okay. Hey, there we go. All right. Well, it is so great to be with you all here this morning. It's so great to get to worship our God together, and especially it's a privilege to bring, to bring the Word of God to you this morning. I'm going to read to you here from Psalm 67 in the Bible. If you have a Bible with you, you're welcome to turn there, but we'll have it, the text up behind me here. But what I'm going to read to you here from the Bible is actually a song. It's a poem and that is a song, and it's a happy song. It's, a, it's full of rejoicing. There's all kinds of joy in this song. And so as I read here, pay attention to, to why all this rejoicing is happening. Who is doing the rejoicing here, and, and why are they rejoicing? This is Psalm 67, and this is the Word of God. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. May God bless the reading of his perfect word. Can you imagine crossing the Pacific Ocean by boat? 5,000 miles. 5,000 miles of open ocean, wave after wave, day after day. It really wasn't actually that long ago that that was our only option for crossing that ocean. In fact, in the 1950s, when my grandparents went to Japan as missionaries, they went by boat. And, and my mom still talks about the seasickness and the, the day after day on the open water and just endless, endless water. And having been on that trip, having been on that boat crossing 5,000 miles, can you imagine then the first time that they got to fly back to the U.S.? The first time they they found themselves lifted up above that same ocean and they were able to cross it in a day and they were able to see so much more and they'd, they'd been lifted up out of those waves and they, and they could see so much more of the world. They could see so much ocean. They could see whole islands. They could see whole stretches of coastline and it was an entirely different perspective because they'd been lifted up. They'd been pulled up out of that, that grinding uh, mile after mile, wave after wave kind of trip and it had been lifted up above that. It gave them a broader perspective on things. Friends, we are caught up in the crashing waves of daily life, the daily struggles, the grind, the next assignment, the next class, the next week, even just getting through this semester. But this time that we have this morning, this time that we have to worship, is a time to, to step back, a time to be pulled up out of those crashing waves, and to gain that broader perspective. It's a time for being lifted up to see a, a, a broader perspective on your whole life, maybe to think about your life as a whole, maybe to think beyond just your local context and what's going on right now here in Sterling in your life, to think beyond that, maybe to think about the extent of the impact of your whole life, what your lifetime impact will be on the world around you. And that's what we see here in this psalm that I just read. We're called by this psalm. In this psalm, God invites you to step back from that 
day-to-day life, to step back from what's immediately around you, what's going on right around you, and to think about God's relationship with the whole world. To think about God looking down at the whole world around you, not just what's going on in your life, and, and specifically how your relationship with God affects the whole world. That this psalm teaches us that your relationship with God does have a global impact, that God's mercy on God's people, God's mercy on you, on a person like you, impacts the whole world, all the nations of the earth. And so this, this psalm, again, is telling us to get up out of that those tossing waves, to get up out of that daily grind, to think for a moment about that full, broader, global perspective. And this psalm teaches us that God's mercy, when God has mercy on someone, that mercy multiplies. It multiplies and spreads and ends up covering the whole earth. This psalm teaches us that if you ask God for grace and mercy, if you ask him for forgiveness, that mercy doesn't just stop with you. It goes so much farther beyond you to all nations of the earth. And so as we pause here this morning, as we pause from from all the things that are going on in daily life right now, friends, ask God for the mercy that multiplies. Ask God for that mercy that multiplies. And to to really understand why this matters and how this works, we're going to look at three truths from this psalm that this psalm teaches us about God, three truths about God. And the first is that God gives justice. God gives justice. We see this in verse 4. In any song that you listen to these days, how do you know what the main message of that song is? In our way of thinking about music and thinking about songs, it's usually some kind of a repeated idea, usually a chorus of some kind. You listen for what's repeated, and that gives you a sense of what the song's really about. So there maybe is some interesting information in the bridge or in the chorus, but we listen for the, or the bridge or the verses, but, but when you listen, when you want to know what the song's really about, you listen for the re- repetition, right? You listen for the chorus that keeps coming back over and over again. But, but this poem, this song that we're looking at this morning, Psalm 67, was written 3,000 years ago in a different culture, and they didn't approach songs the same way that we do. Um, they, they had a way of looking at ideas where they often put the main idea in the middle. They would put the main idea in the middle, and then the repeated ideas around that would draw your focus to that middle point. And so um, I've got a little diagram here. We won't get into all the details of this, but, but in this poem, the main point and the focus is right in the middle in verse 4 that God judges with equity. God judges fairly. And then all the ideas that work their way out from that, there's, there's the same ideas in the first half and the second half in reverse order. And what that does is God invites you to, it, he draws your focus into the middle of this psalm. And, and all those sort of signposts in that poem on either side of that middle point say, pay attention to this middle point. This is the main point of this song. And so the central point of this poem is that God judges with equity. God judges, we don't usually use that word equity anymore, but God judges fairly. God judges with justice. And that might be surprising to us. I told you at the, at the outset that this is a psalm of rejoicing. It's a happy psalm, and we don't usually associate judgment with happiness. We don't associate justice with, with joy necessarily. 
But do you want justice? Do you want justice in your life? On the one hand, yes, absolutely you want justice. If you, this is such, it's such a deep, heartfelt desire that when you suffer injustice or someone you love suffers injustice, you want justice. It could be as simple as if a professor miscalculates your grade on an exam and you get dropped down a letter grade and you don't deserve that and you have that deep feeling of injustice, right? And you want justice. You want what's fair. Or maybe in a much more serious case, if someone you know has suffered abuse or, or your grandmother is swindled by yet, yet another phone scammer and loses thousands of dollars, you want justice. That is a good desire of our hearts. And, and there are verses that call for justice that resonate with us. A Psalm 94, verse 2, we say, Rise up, O judge of the earth, repay to the proud what they deserve. Lord, look and see what they've done. Look at this, these abusers. Look at these people who have done these things. And this psalm assures us, and this central point of this psalm and this song tells us that no atrocity will go unpunished, that God does see and he judges justly. Every atrocity in any nation of the earth, our own included, will be punished, no matter how powerful the oppressors are, no matter how clever the abusers are, they will not get away with it. We want that justice. We, we call on God for that justice. You maybe have heard someone say to you, no one will ever believe you, or your God doesn't see this, or your God's not here. And the promise in this psalm is that is not true. God sees, and God knows, and God judges justly, and we want that justice. It is good news. But on the other hand, do we really want justice for ourselves? Ecclesiastes 12, verse 14 in the Bible says, For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. And then Revelation, when John, the Apostle John had a vision of the final judgment, and that day when all deeds will be judged, he describes it this way. He says, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, that's God's throne, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And friends, if you know what God's law says, what God's word says, the Bible says about what's right and wrong, and you know that God judges not just our actions, but even the motive of our hearts, and we have those sinful thoughts and those sinful, that hatred and those bitterness, that bitterness and all kinds of things that we may not even show on the outside. And it tells us God will judge every single one of those things. Do we really want justice? Who could stand up to that? In Psalm 130, David, the King David, wrestled with that question. He said, if, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, if you should pay attention to every single sin and judge every sing, single sin justly, who could stand? None of us could stand. But he goes on and says, but with you there is forgiveness that you might be feared. But how can that be? Right? God is just. How can, how can it be that God can forgive? And secondly, the, psalm, the answer in this psalm, secondly, is that God gives mercy. God gives justice, yes, but God gives mercy. In verse 1 here, when we say, may God be gracious to us and bless us, when we say be gracious, that can also be translated be merciful. 
And it, in either case, whether it's grace or mercy, you're getting something good you didn't deserve. Grace is, is getting the good thing you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting the punishment you do deserve. But in either case, it's, it's your, you're receiving a benefit that you don't deserve. And that's what it's talking about here. But, but again, we, we ask, okay, so it says God's gracious, but how can he be? If he is just, if he justly punishes every sin, how can he show mercy? How can he forgive? How can he be gracious? And we get a clue then in, in the rest of verse 1, where he says, where we talk about God making his face to shine upon us. And actually, this translation says, says to shine upon us, but this is one instance, and that's usually the way it is in the Bible, that we talk about God's face shining on us, and we mean God showing favor to us, showing kindness to us. And usually it says shine upon us, but really this, this is the only place where it says shine among us, shine with us. God, may your face shine among us and with us and be close to us. It's not God out here shining his face down on us. It's God, may you come down and be with us and shine your face among us. And friends, that beautiful idea of God shining his face among us was fulfilled when Jesus, the Son of God, came and lived among us. And if you haven't grown up in the church, if you haven't grown up around Christian stuff, you might, and you don't know why Christians make such a big deal about Jesus. Let me try to explain just a little bit about why, what makes Jesus so special. Jesus is God with us. God himself, God himself came down to this earth and took on human flesh, human body and soul. He became like us and he lived with us and among us. And not only that, he came among us and not only that, but he died for us. He suffered and then paid the price that we owe for sin. And when you think about standing before that throne that I just read about from Revelation, standing before the face of God, that face of God, when you think about books being opened with every deed you've ever committed being read out, that face is a terrifying thing to us. And we find ways to avoid the concept of death and what comes after death. We tend to try to just stay in the waves, the tossing waves, and in the daily life. And we don't think about that end and what's coming. But God showed mercy and grace by sending his son to shine his face among us to give us the opportunity for forgiveness before that day of judgment comes so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And friends, it's only in Jesus that that justice and that mercy come together. It's only in Jesus that, that, that God's justice is satisfied because Jesus pays the price we deserve but we also receive mercy and forgiveness. That's what Paul means in Romans 3, verse 26, where he talks about God sending his son so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Again, that's not language we usually use, but when it says God needs, that in Jesus, God can be both just and the justifier, it means, another way of saying that is that it's only in Jesus that God can be fair and forgiving that he can be fair absolutely down to the last point and give justice, but also be forgiving because Jesus paid that full price. It's only in Jesus that God can give both justice and mercy. Now, even when Jesus came to this earth and he shined his face among us, to use the language of this 
psalm, and he was with us. Not everyone wanted to hear that message. The Apostle John tells us in John 1, he says, He came to his own, that is his own people, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When you receive Jesus, when you ask for that forgiveness through him, you ask for that mercy, this verse that I just read tells us you become one of the children of God. And in that moment, when you have that mercy and that forgiveness, if you ask God for that forgiveness, that throne of God, that day of judgment that's coming, that throne of God goes from being a judge's bench to being your dad's favorite chair. It goes from being a place of condemnation to being a place of comfort and joy. Because in Jesus, we have both justice and mercy. And that beautiful combination leads to joy. And that's where we get to all the joy that's in this psalm. But thirdly, God gives joy. God gives joy. But notice here in this psalm, who's doing the rejoicing? We talk in, in, in the Christian world about the joy of salvation, right? the joy of salvation, of being saved, of being forgiven, and knowing you have that restored relationship with God. But when we talk about that joy, I think we're usually talking about individual joy, thinking I have been forgiven and saved, so I rejoice in God. I have a reason for joy. But, but that's not really the focus of the joy in this psalm. The focus of the joy in this psalm, it's other people who get joy because you have received mercy. When God shows mercy to us, verse 2 tells us that all nations see that, and then all nations rejoice. And this is, this is, again, where, coming back to what I was saying at the beginning, this is where the psalm tells us to step out of just our own lives, to step back and look at the global impact of God's mercy, and the global impact of what he's doing in your life. When you receive mercy from God, that mercy multiplies. It multiplies to the people around you because wherever you go, if you have received the mercy and grace of God, people will see that and people will understand and want that mercy for themselves and that starts to spread and it spreads and it multiplies across every border, across every, every language barrier, across every culture barrier because it's, it's good news for everyone. And that's, that's why someone would pack up their family and cross the Pacific Ocean 5,000 miles by boat to go to a country where he didn't look like anybody there and didn't know the language. But it was because he believed, my grandfather believed, and so many other missionaries throughout the history of, of, of the church have gone out to these places on the far side of the world because this is good news for the whole world. And we want to see that mercy multiply and spread and bring this joy, this rejoicing to all, every corner of the earth, whether you're from the U.S. or you're from Japan or you're from South Africa or you're from Norway, wherever you're from, this is good news. The mercy of God is good news for all peoples. And when you ask God for that mercy, when you ask God for that mercy, it multiplies to the people around you. This is why Sterling College has such a history of sending mission teams out. You could be doing any, any number of things with that time. But students from this college have consistently, I know there's COVID messes with these things, but consistently year after year have gone out to 
that have taken that time that they could have, spent on, could have spent on other things to bring the good news of Jesus to other countries and other cultures because we want to see that mercy multiplied. In Revelation chapter 7, the Apostle John had another vision of God's throne room. Listen to what he described there. He said, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Friends, that vision is a fulfillment of this multiplying mercy. That is the end result of this multiplying mercy, a group of people that you can't even count from every tribe and language and people and nation singing the same song together, praising the same God together because they've all received the same mercy of God. There's such joy, a joy that has spread all around the world, and that is what we're looking forward to as Christians. People from every country on earth speaking every language that has ever existed, every language that's going to exist rejoicing together because of the justice and the mercy of God. Friends, the mercy of God in your life isn't just about you. Hear the global scale of this song. My missionary grandfather that I've been talking about passed away a couple of weeks ago. And he was actually a Sterling College graduate who spent his whole ministry preaching the gospel to the people of Japan. And it wasn't that long ago that he was your age, sitting in chapel services at Sterling College. And that's gotten me thinking a lot about my life as a whole. What have I done with my lifetime so far? What am I planning to do with the rest of however long the Lord gives me? How have I seen this multiplying mercy of God? How have I prioritized this multiplying mercy of God in the choices that I've made. Friends, really the first question to ask yourself as you think about that, the first question to ask yourself is, do you know this justice and mercy of God yourself? Have you received this mercy from God? Have you repented of your sin, what God calls sin in your life? And have you trusted in Jesus as the only way to receive both justice and mercy from God? And the truth is, if you receive that mercy, if you ask for that mercy from God, it will multiply. It will go beyond yourself. It won't just stay with you. And we can't stay just thinking about the big picture all the time. We have to get back down into the waves and keep churning away and, 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 and put in the hard work on your daily life. But, keep, but keeping that big picture in mind, you can serve you can serve the Lord and giving your life to him and trusting in his mercy day after day, trusting and knowing he's going to use that to multiply that mercy around the world. Whether, whether you spend your life as a missionary or not, if you receive that mercy and if you live your life in service to him, giving it, whether that's crossing the ocean or staying right here in Sterling, Kansas, if you give your life in mercy if you, if you receive that mercy and give your life in service to him, wherever he puts you, 
that mercy will multiply to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Our gracious Father in heaven, we recognize our need for your mercy. But as we look at our own lives, we know that we don't stand up to your perfect standard. That who could stand if you really did not forgive any sin? But Lord, we come to you today for your mercy. And we ask that you would help us to see this global impact of your mercy, that we would, we would be able to see the way that you work in ways that we may never know through the mercy that you give to us. That we would have a desire to see others rejoice because they've received mercy. And to see them spread that mercy even further so that people around this world from every nation will know the mercy of God and rejoice in that. We thank you, Lord, for our Savior Jesus Christ, for that amazing that, that amazing combination of justice and mercy that we see on the cross when Jesus died for sinners like us. So Lord, please help us to trust in you. We praise you for your grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.